0: We occasionally run into some very inspirational life stories with people. Uh, oftentimes, it's related to a physical nature. Uh, I think of Silken Lawman. She was a rower. Excuse me. Yeah, she was a rower from Ottawa, and she was training for the Olympics. And just two months before the Olympic games. Her rowboat was collided with by a speedboat and she had a broken leg, but she was still able to heal and train and get the strength back in that leg and she won a gold medal in that summer's Olympics. So we hear a lot of inspirational stories and some of the most inspirational people that we meet are visually impaired because people who are blind are imperfect people Like the rest of us, they're sinners, they need forgiveness, they need hope, and they need to receive spiritual light in order to move from darkness to light. And in Luke chapter 18, there is a story about a blind person who inspired other people because of the transformation that Jesus Christ was able to make in his life. So this story of this blind person's transformation, it's a great inspiration to us all. So we're going to look at the condition that this man was facing. We're going to look at the petition that he made to Jesus. And then we're going to see the transformation that took place in his life. So first of all, we must note that physical blindness is bad. Luke chapter 18. Mark's gospel identifies this man's name as Bartimaeus. So as Jesus came near the city of Jericho. A blind man was sitting beside the road begging. And another of the Gospels also tells us that he had a buddy who was healed at that same time. So there was a blind person who was asked, what do you miss most about not being able to see? And he said, well, I miss not being able to play pool or not being able to play basketball. But without question, what I miss the most is being able to see my children and he said if I could have just two minutes of eyesight I would spend one minute with each of my children so we think what a tragedy to not be able to see your child's face or to watch their activities or to gaze upon the creation of God and What's more tragic is that back in the first century there were no trained dogs to guide those who were without sight. There were no audio books. There was no braille to help them read. No computers that they could talk back and forth to. No uh, Siri and all that stuff that we have in our cars. So people were less sympathetic at that time and there was no government assistance. So they were basically destined to do what this guy did. He sat by the roadside each day, and he was actually begging for a handout to survive. But as bad as physical blindness is, there's something that's worse, and that's spiritual blindness. So we're picking up in 2 Corinthians 4. The devil who rules this world has blinded the the minds of those who do not believe. They cannot see the light of the good news, the good news about the glory of Christ, who is exactly like God. We sometimes will use the expression, you're so blind that you can't see what is right in front of you. And my uncle actually used that with me when I was probably 21, 22, and I was leading the youth group from Central Christian Church in Charlottetown. And I I took them to a conference down in Digby County here in Nova Scotia. And there was one girl who was in, the, not the militia, but she was in cadets. And they had a weekend scheduled out in the woods somewhere, so she wasn't going to be able to come to this youth conference. But then, about a month before the conference, she said, oh, I can attend now. And I thought, okay, that, that's great. She's able to be there. But then, when we were at the conference, an uncle of mine was actually leading the group from the church I grew up in. And he said, Gregory that girl's pregnant. I said, no. And then I started thinking, okay, she canceled out on going on that activity because she could come to the conference, which she wouldn't have to be concerned about. And then I noticed that she was wearing this long, heavy sweater the whole time. So then I decided, okay, I'm going to do my own test. And she was sitting beside me, And I dropped something on the floor. I said, oops, oh, could you get that for me? And she leaned down sideways to do it. And I determined, okay, this young woman is pregnant. But there are so many times like that when there are things right before our eyes and we just don't see it. Someone will say, "Uh, she loves you and you don't even see it. Or they will say, your husband is being unfaithful to you and you don't even see it. Or... Your child's doing drugs, and you don't even see it. So they have eyes that see physically, but they don't see spiritually. People who see spiritually and are blind don't understand the truth. So John 1.5, The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overpowered it. So people like this, they can read the Bible and yet they don't understand it. They can hear a sermon, but they don't understand it. And it's like myself when it comes to technology. I use a computer and an iPhone almost every day, and I don't get nearly anything out of what those two pieces of technology are capable of. So I will ask sometimes, but other times I'm too embarrassed to ask for help but I get by and then I surprise myself every now and then with what I'm able to do on my computer. People who are walking in spiritual darkness may hear about sin and a savior and being born again, but it just doesn't compute in their heart. They're intellectually capable, but they aren't interested enough to investigate or maybe they're too embarrassed to ask they can't see that they're sinful and in need of a Savior. They can't see that they're going to die one day and then stand before a holy God. They can't see that Jesus Christ died personally for them on the cross and that he wants to empower them to live forever. In 2 Corinthians, or actually 1 Corinthians chapter 2, Paul said, A person who does not have the Spirit does not accept the truths that come from the Spirit of God that person thinks they are foolish and cannot understand them because they can only be judged to be true by the Spirit. So it's almost like Satan puts a veil over their faces and they're not able to understand the truth. Now people who are spiritually blind sometimes hate the light. Like what John wrote here in John chapter 3, they are judged by this fact. The light has come into the world, But they did not want light. They wanted darkness because they were doing evil things. All who do evil hate the light and will not come to the light because it will show all the evil things they do. You know what it's like to be asleep in a dark room and then somebody turns on the light and you wince and you squint and you yell, turn off that light, turn off that light. And you're annoyed with that one that has turned off the light. And spiritually speaking, those who are in darkness hate the truth and they sometimes get angry and they even get hostile towards those who are exposing the truth. So just look at what we see going on in our world today in the persecuted church throughout the world. And it's all because people don't want to hear the message that is being preached for Christ. And people who are spiritually blind, they don't know where they're going. In John 12, then Jesus said, the light will be with you for a little longer, so walk while you have the light. Then the darkness will not catch you. If you walk in the darkness, you will not know where you are going. So when people are walking in spiritual darkness, they're groping. They're just trying to find something, trying to find some handle, something that they can grab onto. And it shows how desperate people can be when they're groping around for anything to believe in. I have a quote here from G.K. Chesterton, and he said, when a person quits believing in God, he doesn't believe in nothing. He believes in anything. And the opposite of Christianity isn't atheism. It's actually superstition and blind faith in any fad that comes along. People who are spiritually blind can also lead other people astray. In Matthew 15, Jesus calls the Pharisees blind. And if a blind person leads a blind person, then both are going to fall into a pit. When I was leading that group to the youth conference, I had been to the little town where the conference was going to be held. So I was an expert. So I had this caravan of vehicles following me, and I missed the turn to catch the ferry to go to this little island, this place called Tiverton, is where this conference was held. And I took all these people behind me on a wild goose chase for about 40 kilometers. So just think, of how strange it is that people who don't know where they're going are able to actually persuade others to follow them. I don't know how it happens, but they do. And just think about all the religious leaders who persuade others to follow them by saying, all roads lead to heaven. So it would be the Jim Jones Road or the David Koresh Road. It would be the Mormon Road or the Jehovah Witness Road or the Islamic Road. And political leaders will say, I believe in a woman's right to choose. And then we say, choose what? The right to pay her taxes, to drive 100 kilometers per hour in a school zone, or maybe to sell her body for money. But what they mean is the right to kill her unborn child. And then other people follow. See, William James said, there is no idea absurd enough that if people hear it enough, they won't follow. So there are people who are spiritually blind, who hate the light, they don't know where they're going, and they're trying to persuade other people to come along with them. Now Bartimaeus was physically blind, and one day he made a desperate petition to Jesus. So we're now in Luke 18, 36. When he heard the people coming down the road, he asked, "'What is happening?' And they told him, Jesus from Nazareth is going by. Now, Bartimaeus was alert to an opportunity because rumors had been running rampant, even 160 kilometers away from where he was. It was in a radius, basically. And they were buzzing about what it would be like to meet Jesus and be healed by him because there were all these rumors about how he was healing people. So Bartimaeus has a keen sense of hearing, and he knows that there's more traffic on this road than usual. So he asks someone, What is happening? And someone tells him that Jesus of Nazareth is actually coming. So his heart basically leaps into his throat. Here's the opportunity that he's fantasized about for months. Jesus has arrived unannounced, and there was probably just a one-minute window of opportunity that could make all the difference in the world to him. Now, my wife was glaring at me while I shared this story in the first service, but I survived it, so you can hear it as well. But I had this opportunity. Back when I was 17 years of age, I escorted a friend of mine. She was Miss. Uh, Marco Polo Land, and she was going in the Miss Community Gardens beauty pageant. And then I met Miss the, the reigning Miss Dominion of Canada at that event, and then the next day I went to watch some of the other activities, and Miss Dominion of Canada was standing inside the ticket booth area And this was the old-fashioned ticket booth where you had this round hole that you would speak to the individual through. And then there was an opening at the bottom where you would slide your money and they would slide the ticket. And I looked at her and I looked at the situation. I said, this is just like a kissing booth. I could give you $5. And then she said, you don't need to pay anything. So, okay. And, and then she even reaches out her hand to hold my hand. And it was an amazing moment for me. But I, I captured the opportunity. It was there. I didn't end up marrying her. She was a little older than I was. There was no marriage on the horizon. But the first step in coming to the spiritual life is recognizing that the opportunity is there before you. And maybe the Lord has come unexpectedly into your life maybe you've picked up a Christian book and you started reading it and you're wondering is there really something to this Christian life or maybe a friend invited you to come to church and you came out of curiosity but now you're kind of sitting on the edge of your seat and you're thinking could this be true or you were born for a moment and it wasn't first words or it wasn't first steps I tried to get a picture of my daughter up there. When she was seven months old, I had her walking. I worked so hard to train her to walk and then realized what a mistake it was because then she started to get into everything. So with child number two, there was no pressure. Our third daughter didn't walk until she was 15 months old. The whole family waited on her. But it, So it's not... You weren't... Uh, prepared for that moment. It wasn't your first steps. It wasn't your first job. It wasn't even getting married. That moment that you were born for is that moment when you would be born again. And the Bible says that you must make the most of every opportunity. So Bartimaeus saw the chance and he called out to Jesus in verse 38. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Now, son of David is an Old Testament term for Messiah or atoning Savior. And Bartimaeus realizes this, and he pleads for mercy. And mercy is to be exempted from deserved punishment. So he doesn't come demanding that Jesus heal him because he's kept all the commandments. He knew he was asking for something that he didn't deserve. Someone saw a group of men panhandling on the wharf of a coastal city. And each one had made up some kind of sign to get the attention of the people. For example, one guy had a sign that said, I'll work for food. I tried that once with someone that came to the church looking for money, and the work part never actually came about. Then another guy had a sign that said, disabled with three kids. Another one said, I'm a veteran of Afghanistan. And then one guy was holding up a sign that said, Why lie? It's for alcohol. And the visitor said, I gave him some money because he was being honest. And at least Bartimaeus started out with honesty. And he didn't claim that he deserved healing. He pleaded for mercy. Now one of the initial steps in coming to Jesus Christ is actually... Letting our light shine, and it's to be honest about our sin. It's to be honest about our need for forgiveness. And two weeks ago, I looked at that account where Jesus talked about the the Pharisee and the tax collector coming to the temple. And the Pharisee, he thought that he had it all figured out. He was following all the laws, and he was praying these long, flowery prayers just so that people could hear the words that he could put together. And then he even said that he was glad that he wasn't like the other sinners that were present there that day. And then along comes the tax collector and he's overwhelmed with his sinfulness. He doesn't even feel worthy to be there to worship that day. But the tax collector was honest about his sin, and he was the one who left there that day forgiven. So don't try to con God with your status or your good works. Instead, try admitting that you were a sinner who's spiritually blind, in need of mercy, and that you've fallen far short of the ideal that God set for us. So Bartimaeus persevered despite opposition. And I'm going to keep this next section of scripture on the screen as I walk through it. So verse 39, the people leading the group warned the blind man to be quiet. So if you come to the light of Jesus Christ, there are some people that are going to try to prevent it. And they'll say things like, Oh, I like you just the way you are. Don't go getting fanatical on me. Or don't go to extremes on me. But Bartimaeus, he wasn't going to be denied. But the blind man shouted even more, Son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus honored that perseverance. Jesus stopped and ordered the blind man to be brought up to him. And Jesus could never resist a cry for mercy. So Bartimaeus, he picks up his cloak, and he jumps to his feet. And then this blind person now has the undivided attention of the one who put the sun, the moon, and the stars in place. And when he came near, Jesus asked him, what do you want me to do for you? Jesus never forced himself on people. He was gentle, and he would just say, what what can I do for you? So here we see the Son of God offering Himself as a servant to this down and out man. And then Bartimaeus requested specific assistance from Jesus, and he said, Lord, I want to see. Kim Guire wrote, Jesus knew what those four short words meant. It meant, I want to get out of this dar- dungeon of darkness. I want to walk the streets of Jericho without bumping into its walls. I want to look into the shops. I want to be able to find my way to the synagogue. I want to be able to use my hands for more than begging for money. I want to fix my own meals, I want to wave at someone across the street, I want to read, I want to smile at children and pat them on the head and wish them well. I want to see. And if we're going to be transformed by the power of Jesus, it's good to specify what needs to be changed. So if Jesus asked you today, how can I help you, what would you say? Would you say, I want a stronger faith. Please remove my doubts. Or maybe would you say, I want to quit blindly following other people and catering to their opinions of me. Or maybe you might say, I want you to take away my addiction. Or maybe it might be, I want you to help me love my spouse and my family more than I am. But we just want God to take away the blinders so that we can see All that's good and positive. So then Bartimaeus made his plea, I want to see, and he experienced a tremendous transformation. So we're now in verse 42. Jesus said to him, Then see, you are healed because you believed. At once the man was able to see, and he followed Jesus, thanking God. And all the people who saw this praised God. So in a split second, he went from darkness to light. He was blind, but now he could see. And the first thing that he could see was the face of Jesus. He he could see the compassion. He, He could see the love and the eyes of a king. And now his life changes from one of boredom to one of excitement. He went from sitting beside the road to following Jesus with enthusiasm. Now his life, which was quite uneventful up to that point, now became one where over the next few weeks he saw the raising of Lazarus, he saw the cleansing of the temple, he saw Jesus triumphantly come into Jerusalem, he saw Jesus be crucified on the cross, and then he would have experienced the resurrection because he was one of those 500 followers. If you're transformed by Jesus Christ and you stay close to him, He'll bring some incredible events into your life. It's something that the world may not understand, but some of the most exciting and unforgettable events happen in the gathering of God's people, because when the light of Jesus Christ comes into your life, there's a joy and excitement that you wouldn't have in the darkness. So he goes from being insignificant to influencing others. He followed Jesus around, and he was praising God. And when all the people saw him praising God, and then they realized where he had been at, they started praising God as well. He went from people telling him to be quiet, who do you think you are, to look at this guy, look at what God's done for him. And if you allow Jesus to transform you, then you will be like a light that will draw other people to him as well. In John 8, verse 12, we see Jesus later on talking to the people again, and he said, I am the light of the world. The person who follows me will never live in darkness, but will have the gift that gives life. And then later on he said, You are the light of the world. Whoever sees your good deeds will glorify God. So it's strange that the spiritually blind don't understand the light, but they're actually drawn toward that light. The cottage that my wife and daughters, sons-in-law and grandkids rented this summer well was actually two cottages. We had to get two smaller ones in order to accommodate all ten of us. But the one that I was in, it had two outside lights, one that was right above the door and one that was kind of off to the side. This one was working, this one wasn't. And at night, you could just see all the moths and the mosquitoes and and the bugs that were attracted to that light above the door. You didn't have to put out any special call, any mating call or anything like that. They would just turn up out of the darkness when you flipped on that light. And then they would follow us as we went in the door. So the next day, my grandson Seth and I, I needed his small hands to get up into that light fixture. We switched the light bulbs so that the one above the door didn't work. The one off to the side did. And then all the attraction was over there for the rest of the time that we were there together. Graham Lott said, Moths in the midst of darkness aren't attracted to more darkness. They're attracted to the light. They're hungry for the light. And people living today aren't attracted to more darkness. They are actually attracted to the light. And it may seem strange to us, but this speaks even more to the importance of us letting our light shine so that people may see Jesus. So, the challenge for you is to let your light shine. Don't be ashamed of it. Even though some people seem to hate it, it's because they don't understand it. That's why they're being negative. Even though you may not have a dramatic testimony, even though you may not have spectacular things to say, just let people see the difference that Jesus has made in your life, and they'll be drawn toward that. In 1 Peter two nine, we read, But you are a chosen people, royal priests, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession. You were chosen to tell about the wonderful acts of God who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. During a Bible study, a blind person was asked if he would like his sight back. And his response was, Well, if I was to go back to my former way of life, no. But if I was to continue in my present Christian life, Yes. And I'd like to be able to see. And then he said, if not, I'd rather be blind because I'm going to see someday in eternity. And do you know who he is going to see? It would be Jesus Christ. And the scriptures say, now we see a poor reflection as in a mirror, but one day we will see him face to face. So that talks to the importance of opening your heart so that you can see Jesus. So don't spend the rest of your life gathering coins by the side of the road. Get up, pick up your coat, take your Tim Hortons cup, and come let Jesus touch your eyes so that you can see spiritually. He'll open your eyes to wonders that will give you an abundant life, but all you have to do is make that commitment to him, and then he will touch your life. Let's stand together as we sing, and if you have a decision to make, Come let me know. Speak to any of our other leadership as well.